Yo, 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 what is going on, you guys? It's the Sticky Buttons Podcast. This is your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And we're coming at you with another episode, a brand new episode, episode 67. And you know, 67 has got a great ring to it, man. I love the six, I love the sevens. I think it's going to be a great one, dude. <laughs> I definitely think so, too. I think we're going to just kick it off and give a yeah, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Anyone who supported us on Patreon, we really appreciate it. Blake, do you want to let our supporters know what you used <laughs> the money for? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I guess really quick, Brandon and I, we've had a Patreon for a while so seriously, thank you to everyone that supported us there. We haven't used any of the money yet, but we recently made the decision that we each wanted something, and we're each going to talk about that a little bit today. So I personally used the part of the, or I guess my half, I suppose, I used that to go towards a Steam Deck. So maybe we'll talk more about that later. But yeah, I'm super excited about that. So thank you to everyone. I used the portion from the Patreon. My grandma gave me some money for Christmas, so thanks, Grandma. And then <laughs> I uh, chipped in some of my own money to get this. So it's a bit of an expensive device, but, um, you know, everyone pooling together, I suppose. Between me, the Patreon, and my grandma, we got it covered, you know? <laughs> we got it covered. Right? And I can't wait for you to really get into what you got there. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, what'd you use yours for, man? So I used mine for a Nintendo Switch OLED. Nice. I wanted to get that bigger, bigger screen. Nice. And you kind of shared one with your family, right? So this is kind of like your, this is yours yeah, now. Yeah, we used that Switch for a while, and it's the family Switch, but now this is my personal Switch for me to explore a lot of different indie titles and kind of just, you know play on my monitor i'm excited that you know that play. you know that song two phones you got two switches bro i got two <laughs> switches <laughs> that's hilarious man yeah but one is a switch oled and one is a regular switch and nice. i i do like the bigger screen a lot you know it definitely was a great help to receive that patreon support man because that was an expensive console and the patreon was only like i think about half so, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you know, let, I guess we can, I mean, just for all of our patrons, you know, we'll make a post on Patreon as well, just saying thank you. But I guess just really quick, I think we in total, we each made roughly around $200 and we, we invested that back into the show. So we really just wanted to say thank you to everyone for supporting us, you know, this whole time. It is expensive to make the show. I think at some point we'd love to get to the point where it could cover our editing costs. But I mean, quite frankly, we're just nowhere close to that. So with the the money that we had, we decided instead of spending it on, on editing, we're just going to continue to fund that out of our pockets and, and make an investment in some hardware so we could continue to talk about some cool games. So thank you sincerely to everyone that supported us on Patreon. And if you'd like to support us on Patreon for as little as $1, you can do that via the link in the show notes. And we've got a couple episodes there like a backlog of episodes. We talk about the show Loki, talk about some other stuff. We're not really too sure how we want to handle this in the future, but we've got a lot of ideas and we're thinking about it. So genuinely thank you. And I think with that out of the way, Brian, I think we can get into it. 
Let's get right into episode 67. So do you have any games you want to talk about right off the bat? I haven't really had too much time to, to play many games, so I, you know, I'm just going to talk about good old 2K. I'm playing a lot of NBA yeah, 2K23. Been on, How's that going, man? been in the theater a lot. The theater is uh, kind of like a indoor court where you get to match make quickly as opposed to mm-hmm. having to wait at the park for a court. You can just start up a match and automatically get loaded with teammates and opponents. And they have like a couple different events. It's usually four different events. So right now there's the 1v1 event where you just play you know, good old 1v1. 1v1, nice. There are 2v2s with a, a little twist. So if you get a steal or a block, or if you get a defensive rebound, meaning like mm-hmm. the other team shot the ball and you got the rebound, you get a point. So it's like a kind of like a fast-paced 2v2. And then there's a 3v3 with no squads, meaning you can't play with any friends. It's just a 3v3 with all random people. Oh, nice. That's actually really cool. Yeah, and it adds a different layer to the game because a lot of people like to play with their friends and teammates, and they have all these strategies and game plans. So it's nice to see you know, what people kind of play like when you don't have that, or like a random pickup game of basketball. And then, yeah, that's nice, man. That's like the gulag, but with yeah, 2K. <laughs> seriously. And then the last one right now is the Mountain Dew Court. The Mount, I'm sorry, did you say the Mountain Dew Court? There's a Mountain Dew Court where there are charged <laughs> zones on the court. So there's an area on the court that's blinking red. And if you score on that area on the court, you get, you know, you get plus, free Mountain Dew? plus one. <laughs> a Mountain Dew drops on your head. <laughs> But yeah, you, oh, you damn it. What is it with gamers and Mountain Dew, man? Why did... <laughs> Marketing. <laughs> oh, man. Marketing. They want you to drink Mountain Dew and Doritos. That's what they think gamers eat. Oh. I guess, dude. I guess I better open up my cabinet, get my Mountain Dew and Doritos for dinner. Yeah, put away the carrots and the kale. Let's, let's take out some Mountain <laughs> Dew and some, some good old Doritos. Yeah, Swiss chard, never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> So I actually, I got something to say while we're talking about basketball. I went and saw a Brooklyn Nets game this past No way. Who did you see them play? Yeah. They saw the Detroit Pistons, and they got squashed by the Detroit Pistons. Oh, man. <laughs> Who did you, did you see Kyrie or the Durantula? Yeah. Irving, he did really well. So I think he got the most points during the game. But yeah, he did really well. It was really interesting, man. I haven't been to one. And I mean, the stadium was full. I got tickets through my office or through my job. So that was fun. You go out with some folks from work. That's, but man, that was really, it was really interesting, man. And something kept happening during this game, but I had no idea this happened. I didn't even know what this was. So I'm going to ask you what this is. Maybe you can, I guess, inform me. I don't really know what the word is. It's like a, like a flagrant foul. Am I saying that right? <laughs> a flagrant foul? Dude, really? A flagrant foul kept happening? They, they got at least two, at least two or three happened. It was crazy. I don't really know what it means, but they, they kept like, they were like, this foul on the play is under review or the foul on the court is under review. And it was crazy because then they had like a bunch of bouncers like cleared the field and these people in like suits and the refs, they went to this table and like watched the play, the replay on the monitor. And then the guy got on the mic and was like, Actually, it was kind of goofy the way the ref was <laughs> was talking about it. But he like got on the mic and was like, 
After review, the foul on the court has been upgraded to a flagrant foul. But I also, is it flagrant? Is that the word? Flagrant is the word. And I'm surprised because flagrant fouls are kind of, you know, sometimes just to give you context, when I'm playing in the theater and someone keeps reaching, they keep reaching on me. And I'm, you know, I tell them, I'm like, if you keep reaching on me, I'm going to flagrantly foul you. Right. And a flagrant foul is a foul where a penalty where, you know, there's unnecessary and excessive contact committed by a player against an opponent. And, you know, that contact can actually injure the opponent. Oh, wow. That's why it gets escalated to flagrant. Sometimes a regular foul might get escalated to a flagrant. Say, if you're dunking the ball and you, like, slam it, like, necessarily, like, really hard on somebody and, like, slam your elbow into their head after, like, you make it a point to, like, when you reach, like, really smack their wrist, like, really hard. Like, flagrant fouls. You know, it's interesting. Intentional. Think of, like, anything that's intentional. Okay, okay. I'm, I found the data, actually, from ESPN. On this game, there were... It looks like the Pistons got charged with two flagrant fouls, and the Nets got one. Dude, that's so interesting. <laughs> so there was three flagrant fouls in the game. That rarely happens, but I could see why a player like Kyrie would be in a game with a lot of flagrant fouls. He's very controversial right now within that association. Oh, yeah. I mean, he played really well. I guess I don't really... Why is that? Just because of a lot of the comments he, he made last year and also, you know, he's just a lot of politics. I don't really want to get into on the podcast, but just know a lot of people, a lot of his colleagues don't really like him that much. They might want to excessively foul oh, him damn. and his teammates damn. and just make it a point. And it's also interesting, too, because the Pistons are known historically for being a defensive team. Back in the day, they were, they were called the bad boys. They just would get on the court and stir up trouble. <laughs> Charles Barkley and it's interesting to see that kind of repeat itself they're over here kind of getting all these flavoring fouls and I guess they were playing really good defense I'm sure I mean hey they won they beat the Nets it was a big upset I guess the Brooklyn Nets are really supposed to win by quite a lot yeah I bet the Nets <laughs> I bet the Nets I was upset but I'm biased too so <laughs> you bet the Nets <laughs> I'm biased too so oh, that's I'm funny. a Nets fan you know let me ask you this because I also I thought it was a really high scoring game the Detroit Pistons had 130 points, and the Nets had 122. Mm-hmm. Is that a high-scoring game? Yeah, no. For an NBA yeah, game? That's a high-scoring game. Because I thought they, I mean, they normally break 100, but it's like, don't they normally, like, barely break 100? Sometimes games, like, it would be normal for a game, to, a score of a game to be, like, 86, 90, 76, 80. Like, that wouldn't be unheard of. It really just depends on the tempo, right, on the momentum that's being built. Basketball is a momentum sport. And mm-hmm. and so if the score was that high, that means you as a viewer were having a really good time, right? You were seeing a lot of a lot of momentum. <laughs> You're seeing a lot of back and forth. Like the score got all the way up to where it did. You know that's really impressive. That must have been a really exciting game to watch, man. It was cool to be there. It was also it was really cool just because the the stadium was packed. Like yeah. the nosebleeds were filled. The whole the whole stadium was filled. So people wanted to see that. That's a that's one hell of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Nets Pistons. But <laughs> the Nets Pistons. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I get, you know it's kind of funny just really quick, you know, Michigan and New York button heads. <laughs> kind of like this pod. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's funny, yeah. All right, man. I actually I have a quick update on a game for you that we've we've talked about before. It's been a while since we talked about it, but they made an update a couple months ago, and we just haven't had time to bring it to the pod. But I've been playing around with it, and I just really wanted to talk about it. So, so we've talked about No Man's Sky on the pod before. We've both played it. Can you just refresh my memory? Do you like this game? What was your experience with No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky was a really kind of visceral survival game as far as like you're just put into this world and you kind of just need to figure out how to navigate it, which I have no issues doing. I just, I don't know, I didn't necessarily have like a a pull to the game, a strong Mm -hmm. pull to the game to like keep bringing me back. But that's probably because I just didn't spend enough time with it initially. Um, I feel like it's a game that you need to maybe sit down and play for like an hour or two and kind of just really get the hang of the mechanics. And the yeah, world. absolutely. It's not a game you can just like get on for a 30 minute, 15 minute session and expect to like really, you know, get a rewarding play session through that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's one of those games where, I mean, you really like, like for me personally, I'll get on and hours will just, just go by. And I mean, like you truly, you start with nothing. And I think what it's really praised for is it's a survival game that you can just jump in a ship and just, you know, hit the acceleration and you can go out of the atmosphere and you're in space and then you can travel to the next planet. Or if you can see a space station from the planet you're on, you can just get there and fly there. And that's kind of, I guess, the big selling point of No Man's Sky and why so many people like it. It's like truly like an open universe, like open world game. But they kind of said that they're, not that they're done working on it, but they put out a huge update and they they were kind of implying that it was one of the last and that they're kind of winding down work on this game. And I guess there was a lot of controversy when this game came out. It wasn't exactly what was promised but since then, they've just been updating it year after year, and it's just become this this incredible gaming experience. And on the last update, they did a couple things. So they, they've made a lot of updates, but this one is in particular, I guess it's noteworthy just because of what they changed. And they changed, whereas before they've added a lot of things. They've added water physics, or they've added more planets they've added multiplayer or like the true multiplayer and they've added mechs or they've added like bikes that you can or like hover bikes or like more cars that you can or like dune buggies that you can summon and they've just added and added and added over the years but what they've done this time is they they added the ability to change the settings to make the game easier so for example you can now change a setting in a game to where you don't have to worry about jet fuel anymore. Or, you know, if you want to build something, you don't even have to have the materials. You can just build it. Or if you want to have unlimited money, you know, you can't have unlimited money, but you can make everything that you sell worth more, like max, and everything that you can buy is super cheap. I see. And they basically just made it incredible. I mean, like, truthfully, like, I'll get in. I think my save file is around 20 hours and like if I spend a couple hours like I've maybe moved the needle a little bit but now it's like it doesn't even matter not that it doesn't matter but it just makes it a lot easier a lot more accessible to where if I was going to do something I could hop in and, and just do it instead of like oh I gotta you know farm the resources make sure I have this and that 
And then, oh, I, well, I, you know, I'm running low on jet fuel. I got to sidetrack, get more jet fuel. You know what I mean? Like now you can just, I want to build this sick base on this planet. I can just build it. Right. That's, a, that's really so interesting. They, I, I'm glad that they did that now because it, it'll make the game a lot easier to interface with and that initial learning curve that much you know, less steep. So it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really cool that they did that. And it's not just like like the learning curve. Like it's like end game resources as well. You know what I mean? Like now, like you can truly just like jump in. And if you're like, oh, I don't really know if I like this aspect, like I'll just turn that off. Right. And they really made it like very customizable to your experience. For me personally, I went in and I turned off the jet fuel because it's one of those things where it's like it's it's a very abundant resource in this universe. Yeah. But you have to fill your slots with it. You have to keep, you know, a bunch of jet fuel in your slots to be able to leave. Like it's because that's a, one of the coolest parts about it is you can just hop in your spaceship. And it really kind of got to the point where I was like, man, like. I'm going to hop in my spaceship, walk over here because I don't want to fly over here. It'd be more fun to fly, but like I don't have as much jet fuel. Like I need to save the jet fuel. I need to save my launcher fuel. And now I can just like, I don't have to worry about any of that. And another thing, they made everybody's backpacks bigger. So just like, just base everybody's backpack is bigger. And that's something that was, I like, I truly spent like the last two play sessions. I was like, I'm just going to expand my inventory slots. And like, I would, grind it out like an hour plus trying to do that and now it's just bigger and they made a settings where you can add like in your inventory they can just hold infinite or not infinite but near infinite resources instead of only being able to hold like 250 so they really made it a lot a lot better a lot more accessible so if you've ever like you've been like oh i'm not sure if i want to jump into no man's sky just because like I don't want to spend like I want to experience the world I don't want to grind they basically like if you don't want to grind you can turn off the grind you know what I mean or if it's like you got into it you're like oh I really like this part of it maybe I do actually want to resource manage a little bit more you can turn it back on and then you can grind it's like mods in Minecraft yeah yeah totally so I thought that was really cool really special and I thought that was of note so I wanted to bring that to the show Especially as we talked about it, like if you if you picked it up and thought it was too intimidating, like you can just turn off that stuff and give yourself more health. You can make it so there's no consequence to dying and things like that. Like they really made it so you can tailor make your own experience, which is really awesome. Yeah, you gotta get back on there. I actually have the disc version of that, so I have to update that. Yeah, me too. Now, now that it's happened, let me ask you this: Is there a game that you would like to be able to? customize your experience a little bit more in is there a game that you wish got this treatment it's a good question you know what games come what game comes to mind i would say returnal returnal would be a great game to do that for yeah just given the type of world and like all the different types of spaces that generate you you have a different Mm -hmm. experience every single time i think having those quality of life improvements will allow me to experience more of that and see more of the world yeah absolutely yeah it would have been cool if i could just turn on infinite health and then just like not worry about dying and just continue on and play the whole game that would have been cool or maybe like four times you have like four times as much health or something like that would have been that would have been cool i thought like unlimited dashing yeah that would have been cool too or something like that i i think that for me like elden ring kind of comes to mind i think that 
I just wish I could just go back and just like change my like respec. Like I wish I could just go in the menu and just reset everything. Or I wish I could maybe give myself a little bit more health, you know, give myself a buff so I didn't have to grind for runes as much. The grind is part of it. It's a part of the design for a lot of games. And it like kind of inherently changes the nature of the game, which I wanted to ask you that question, but I feel like we've covered that. Yeah, that is not untrue for for No Man's Sky. It does kind of change. It changes the design of the game because now I don't have to you know, there's a whole part of like jet fuel. I'm not even collecting it anymore. It's a whole part of the game that's built into it. It's built into design. And that's just, I just ignore it now. But the thing is, is because I chose to do that, I feel like I liked it a lot more. So, and I guess like, like if let's say Elden Ring had this, I guess these accessibility settings, if they had that in it, you may not have turned them off or turned them on, but I might have. And I may have, you know, who knows if I could have turned that off, gave myself a little bit more health, maybe I would have seen it through and maybe it would have been my game of the year. I think that, you know, we pay money for games. I think we should be able to change the settings if we want. I agree. That's my personal take. I think about a conversation we had earlier on another pod episode where I think you asked me about a paradox or maybe it was a phenomenon where if you change one element of something or of a design, does that fundamentally change the design? You mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I do remember, yeah, I was having a similar conversation. I'm not sure when and where that was, but... Can you remember that concept or that, like... Because I'm trying to think about it. Oh, oh, was it the ship of Theseus? Yes. There yeah. it is. There mm-hmm. it is. That's what comes to mind when you talk about No Man's Sky and changing, like, that fundamental aspect of the game or, or even Elden Ring, right? Because that's, like, part of Elden Ring or No Man's Sky is that ground. Yeah. But here, let me say this though, because I like think of all the code and all of the art and everything in Elden Ring, right? Think of everything that game is and all like from Limgrave to the other areas. The health that you have is only is just a, such a small part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I almost I've kind of been swayed. I think at the time, maybe when we did our that ship of Theseus, that you know, I thought that, you know, maybe if you change that, maybe it's a different experience. And I think it is a different experience, but it, now that I've experienced, you know, being able to change these settings, I still think it is that game. You just have a different experience. And, you know, it's funny because you and me, when we jump into Elden Ring, you had a totally different experience than I did anyways, you know, so that would just be one more difference between the the two of our play styles or our play experiences. So... Elden Ring was one of those titles where I feel like everyone had a different kind of like experience with it. And it's really interesting how that played out. You know, the, I feel yeah. like that's what the designers kind of had in mind when they made that game. Like they didn't want one given route or given playthrough necessarily, which is really interesting. Yeah. You know, No Man's Sky is actually, I think, a really good comparison because every world is procedurally generated. So like your worlds are going to be totally different than the worlds I encounter. So in some ways, you know, it is actually a, a very good analog or parallel to yeah. Elden Ring and difficulty there. Would you say that's a trend that you're seeing more in games now because, you know, we just have the technology to do so? Or is it because we want to stimulate the consumer? Wait, the procedurally generated or yeah. accessibility? Yeah, like just changing kind of... Yeah. Actually, there's an indie game that I've heard about. I think it's called Paradise Marsh. 
And I think they have procedurally... It is on Switch. That sounds familiar. And I think they have procedurally generated music. Oh. So the idea is that everybody gets something different. That's actually really interesting. Which is kind of cool. I think that it's it's kind of just that where we're at where we can create... It's just a way to create variance. I'm not necessarily sure it's like a good thing or a bad thing. Like I think procedural generation is different than AI generation. And I think that with procedural, you know, you give it different building blocks and it kind of randomizes the building blocks. Yeah. And I guess AI is kind of similar, but it has a different connotation to it. I think we touched on this a little bit briefly in our last episode that we did, but I don't think that that AI, like AI generated like art or anything, I don't necessarily think that we should go down that rabbit hole. I don't necessarily, I think it's kind of, not a waste of time, but maybe not necessarily a good use of our, our resources or time. What do you think? I, I know you're you're more of an AI. I was just using AI this past week, bro. I had to uh, come up with a meal prep. I'm coming up with a meal prep plan, and I'm talking to ChatGPT, and I asked I asked the AI, like, hey, can you recommend some some meals? And it was able to randomize a bunch of a bunch of different meals that I'm actually going to use as far as like grocery shopping. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, man. I I think we're really going to have to maybe table this topic for another time. (laughs) (laughs) We can do some more research and talk about it. Maybe maybe we can devote a whole episode to it. Yeah, figure out ways to use AI for mm -hmm. the podcast. Nah. Would you want your voice to be AI, man? (laughs) No, I would want my voice to be AI, but maybe we could have the AI generate episodes, like episode ideas. Or okay. generate content, like come up with, like, you know, I don't know. AI is really smart, and I feel like humans paired with AI, that's a whole nother level. Okay, yeah, I guess it's kind of just a way to maybe sort randomization. Yeah, it just helps us think. I think it's a way to help us organize our thoughts. At least for me personally, that's why I love working with AI. It's just like the most. I think about optimization. AI. That's literally what the AI is built mm-hmm. on. Yeah, I guess we could, you know, I mean, damn, I don't have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> let's, ta- let's table the yeah. AI topic yeah. for now. We can bring it back. But I guess on the reverse of that, like, I have seen it like a trend where accessibility settings, I've seen it more and more. And I, I'm, I don't know if it's just because I've been playing more and more games, but I think what it is, if I had to guess, I, had, I would have to say that there are just just because there are so many games out there and so many games are buying for your time. It's an easy thing to be like, oh, this person wants to customize their experience. Sure, let them do it. This person doesn't, they don't have to. So I think it's becoming, at least for me, my time is already more of a commodity than the money that I would spend on video games. That makes sense. Like I, I do have you know, more money than time. So I think that if a game can meet me, give me a little bit, make it easier for me to play, I'm more likely to, to do so. Ooh, that's a gem. You just dropped a gem right now on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, do you want to move on, that's what, move on to our next topic? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move on, man. Yeah. All right, damn. We need more people listening to Sticky Buttons Podcast, man, because that was just a real <laughs> gem right there, dude. I appreciate it, man. 
But let's move on to what we use with our Patreon money. Would you mind just uh, telling me about the OLED and, and if you think it's worth getting the OLED screen? Like, I've thought about it, maybe upgrading, but just walk us through. You've had it for about a month now, right? Maybe, like, what are your thoughts on the OLED Switch versus the original Switch? I'm enjoying this OLED Switch specifically because I got the bundle, the Pokemon. Scarlet and Violet. See, I don't play it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet bundle. And it's nice. The, the art on it is really cool. The art is super really nice when I'm, I'm playing on that Switch. The screen is noticeably bigger, you know, when I'm playing Pokemon. When I'm playing Eastward. Have you played Eastward uh, on the OLED Switch? Yeah, actually, the other day, my little sister was playing on the old Switch, too. Her and her friend were playing. They were really enjoying it. Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that. Yeah, they were like, why is this game so good? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's an indie game. It means, like, people who are really passionate about games put their time and, and love into it. That's why it's so good. I think it took close to a decade in development. For, for Eastward. Man, I love that game, dude. I still haven't finished it, but oh my gosh. So, it's such a good game. Shout out to Eastward. Yeah. Indie games, man. I feel like that um, one would look specifically or particularly good on the OLED. I feel like that one would look oh, amazing. It does. It does. I run it on the OLED and it, it looks really amazing, especially when I pop it up on, on the monitor. I like the dock a lot, too. The dock is very, you know, modern. It, is it white? Yeah, it's in white and has these, like, I uh, would pull it over to show you, but kind of attached. It has, like, the quality of life improvements as far as, like, the flap on the back. Mm. Kind of clicks on a little more and holds the wires better than the old one. Oh, that's nice. And, yeah, I think when I say it's worth it, if your old Switch is really at the end of its life cycle, I would say it's worth it. You know, I, I don't think it's worth it to go ahead and put down your, you know, fairly new Switch that still works great and pick up another one just for... You know, the better screen. environmental purposes, right? Because you keep buying a bunch of these things. They have lithium-ion batteries on them. Those are really hard to dispose of. Yeah. So there's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely, man. How would you feel if next month they made a new Switch, like a Switch that had better hardware, better processor? How would you... F I mean, we don't know if that's going to happen, but how would you feel if it did now that you got this? You know, I, I would think that's great because then that would mean that Nintendo is looking to maybe make put out some, some titles that might be a bit more taxing on these devices. I would hope that that's what, that's what the incentive would be. But, you know, I wouldn't really feel any type of ways. It's, you know, like I said, I'm going to mm -hmm. use this switch till the wheels fall off. Yeah. That's kind of just my personal philosophy with technology, though. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, I, I feel like for my switch, like it's definitely showing its age. But, I mean, the screen seems fine, but it's just the ability to run games and I kind of had this point that I got to where I was like, you know, if an indie game comes to any other platform, I think I'm going to get it on the other platform. You know, with the this PlayStation, like there's a couple times where I'm like, man, I wish, you know, this indie game, I wish this was on the PlayStation. And, you know, I guess that's a good transition into the, the Steam Deck. But I, I got a Steam Deck basically so I, I could play more of those games. So let me ask you this, Brandon. Do you know what a Steam Deck is? If you were like, oh, like what's a Steam Deck? A Steam Deck is equivalent. Valve is a company that distributes titles on, on computers, on just like regular PC. Mm -hmm. It's Valve's version of the Switch. 
That's kind of how I would put it. Okay, yeah, that's, they, that's a they're pretty... They're able to license, put all their, like, licensed games on this Switch-like machine and uh, cater to those types of consumers. Yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good definition of it. I will amend it a little bit. So the Steam Deck, it's actually, it's a Linux PC. I love Linux. That, <laughs> so it's a Linux PC, and it basically has a built-in screen and a built-in controller, is what I would say. It, it looks like a Switch... I mean, the sides do not come off, you know, the controller, it's built into it. And the Valve's actually, they're the company that makes it. They've been really ahead of the curve, ahead of, you know, all their competitors on right to repair. And if like, let's say your joystick's busted, your bumper's busted, you can go to their website and buy a replacement. I mean, obviously you have to know how to put it back together, but it is really cool that you have that. But like I said, it's a Linux PC. So it has an operating system that's very... It's called Steam OS, and it's very similar when you boot it up to the Switch. And you can see your, you know, the games that you have installed in a nice little row. You can also go to their storefront and the Steam storefront and buy games there. And I spent about a week just doing that, like just kind of just having it like kind of as like a, a Switch competitor where I was just using the Steam Deck as that. And... I've actually, since then, I mean, it worked really well. I mean, some games like Portal worked right out of the box, which we haven't talked about the game Portal on the show, so maybe, have to, maybe that's some foreshadowing. There's a couple other games, like I got Outer Worlds. That one worked. Some other indie games as well worked great. And honestly, it worked really well, and I was really impressed by it. I mean, I pretty much had no issues. There was one game where I had to remap my controls, and one game that didn't... Actually, it was Far Cry 3... I actually couldn't figure out how to work it, like the controls weren't set up, but there's this thing where you can download somebody else's button configurations. So I downloaded theirs and then it was working and then I made a couple modifications to it. And I did that in the settings and it was it was really it was really nice. That's one of the reasons why I said I love Linux and that's part of the reason why is Linux is open source software, meaning you know, they, they really give the user the freedom to cater their experience and just the fact that like valve is giving you the ability to download someone's button configuration and use that in the mm -hmm. game it just speaks to you know kind of that kind of mentality of like open source and sharing you know. yeah yeah honestly it's really remarkable and i do kind of want to get into some more of the nitty-gritty on it and i do kind of want to talk about like the buttons, I guess the ergonomics. So I guess really quick, it's about twice the size of a Switch. Like it is heavy. And I mean heavy. And it, it puts out a lot of heat because it's a computer. <laughs> it puts out some heat. So you have to be careful when touching the back because it like truly like you could burn yourself. And Really? That's exciting. Just, you burn yourself with your steam. <laughs> <laughs> you could. You really could, man. Uh, and there, there are people out there that are making mods for it to where you kind of like click a... Uh, there's like a fan and it like clicks into the USB-C and then you have like a fan. It's kind of like this fan battery pack and it it's like the size of one of those like external battery packs, but it's just like an extra fan and it helps with like cooling and, and whatnot, which I guess also worth mentioning because it's a PC, I can go in and change my performance settings. Like I can change my frame rates, I can change my GPU and I'm still a little bit new to that aspect of it and I didn't do any of that the first week but I'm starting to mess around with that a little bit and I was able to like with Jedi Fallen Order you know a game that I love 
I was able to boot it up and I was like, you know, this looks better than it did on my Xbox one. And then I changed some settings and I was like, after I, I think I dropped the frame rate, made it like a 40 FPS max. I changed the GPU and I changed something else that I don't remember. And after I did that, I was like, you know, this, this may not look as good as it does on my PS5, but it is very, very close. And I just thought that was incredible, you know, for something that you can hold in your hand. And I've been blown away by it. On the ergonomics, they do something else that's really cool, Brandon. So under the joysticks, I'll show you, Brandon, but for you listener, you can look up a picture. Under the joystick, they have a trackpad. Under each joystick, they have like a trackpad. Like if you had a laptop where your mouse is, like your mouse trackpad, they have one of those right under the controller. And I've got to say, man, if you map that to like your mouse and make it like a tap, a click of the mouse, it is so... It clicks too. It has tactile feedback mm-hmm. too. Like can, yeah, yeah. From yeah, any I'll, corner. It's actually, it's, yeah, so... It's like a I'm mouse. Sorry, you can't actually click. You have to like actually tap it. Oh, you can... Oh, so okay. the, the trackpad doesn't actually have... Actually, it does. You can click it. You can, it's not as clicky as like some of the buttons. Like here, I'll, I'll do a, a test really quick next to my mic. Can you hear that? Yeah. So that that was a back paddle button, which is built so like, in. It's not like a regular like trackpad. Like, but this trackpad. right here is I'm tapping the, the trackpad. Can you hear that? You probably can't hear that. No, but, I was like, <laughs> but was yeah. it going? Is it going down when you click it? Like is it, it is going down, but it's not like actually clicking. Which, but that's okay. I think is it, it works. What I was gonna say is I can't believe how seamlessly mm-hmm. that works. And like, just imagine, like, I'm going to try, I think I might try some DS emulation. Like imagine like, you know, there's a second screen that you have to tap. I guess it's also worth mentioning the touch screen. So I could just tap it. I could tap the screen, but there's a game that I'm playing. It's kind of like a, like a board game, but it's like, it's like a, um, a video game version of a board game that I'm going to bring up probably in another episode. And I use the trackpad to like move the mouse in the game. It's a PC game. And you can move the mouse with this trackpad. And I, I just can't believe how seamlessly it, it just works. And it, it feels so good. And now that I have this, I'm like, man, like, I would never want to play a game without a trackpad again. And it's like right under the joysticks. Like, it just makes so much sense. And the ergonomics, it just feels incredible. I'm really blown away. And the, here, I'm going to do I'm gonna do a little click for you. These are, these are the triggers. Damn. Yeah, this sounds like some intense triggers. They feel really good. So I'm I'm just blown away by that. But I guess back to to why I got it. You know, I mean, there are so many indie games that come to Steam, they come to PC, and they just don't come out on Switch. And, you know, there's some games that we've played, and they, they didn't come out on Switch till years later. And Hyper Light Drifter is an example of that. I mean, obviously, by the time that we came around to it, it had been out on Switch for a couple years. But there was a couple year gap where it was only on PC and it wasn't on any other platform. And there are so many other games that, you know, are just on PC. And I'm really excited for that. I I just kind of got to the point where I was realizing that about half the games that I was excited for weren't coming to a console platform. And that's kind of why I got it. That's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I got it. And... I guess on the the console-like experience, you can have that with the Steam Deck, which I just thought was incredible that it just kind of worked with Steam OS. And like, if that's what you wanted to do and that's the experience you wanted to have, 
you can pretty much have that. But here's the thing, Brandon. We, we've talked about this a little bit before on the pod, and it's kind of an interesting concept. So, like, you know how when you, you boot up the PlayStation, you can only buy stuff from the PlayStation store? You can't buy stuff from the Xbox store? Or if you boot up your Switch, you can only buy stuff from the Nintendo Switch store? Or if you boot up your phone, you can only buy things from the Apple store? Right. That's called, as I've come to find out, that's called having it be a closed, a closed system. And where you can only buy things from the designated storefront. Now, the Steam, because it's a Linux PC, it has the operating system of SteamOS, and you can go to a desktop mode. So you can switch it to where it's then it is truly a Linux PC. Mm-hmm. And what I was able to do is I was able to boot up the Epic Launcher, and I have that as a non-Steam game. So if I click into my SteamOS and I click on the Epic Store Launcher, it takes me to the Epic Storefront. And the Epic Storefront is, I guess so... They're a store. It's owned by Epic, which is the company that owns Fortnite. And they sometimes will give away free games. And there's an indie game that I wanted to check out called Sable. And over the holidays, they they have that. They had a promo where you could get that game for free. So I got that game for free. I also got Death Stranding for free. Ooh. So I might I'm gonna try and boot that up on my Steam Deck as well. But it's it's all through this other store. So now I, I have access to two storefronts on this console. So like, let's say there's a game that's on sale on one of them. Uh, I can just get it on sale. It makes it a lot cheaper to where now I can kind of shop around. You know, there's also a storefront called itch.io that we've talked about. I haven't gotten that to work on the Steam Deck yet, but I'm working on it. And I'm also trying to get some emulators to work on this as well. So... <laughs> And some of the emulators I'm trying to get to work are like Wii U. Like I'm going to try and get a Wii U game to work on this after this call, which would be pretty cool. Dude, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Can you see if League of Legends works on it? Can you run League of Legends? I mean, it's a Linux PC. So does League of Legends run on Linux PC? Yeah, probably. If the answer is yes, then yeah. If there's a will, there's a way. Anything runs on a Linux PC. You just need the computing power to run it. That's why people love Linux. It is also playable on Steam Deck. Yeah. And given that Linux is so open source, it's just so easy to like, anyone can access it and know how to use it. It's the same thing with Python. That's one of the Mm -hmm. reasons why Python is so popular is because it's so open source. Anyone can access it and understand it. And a lot of like code can just be transferred over languages. Yeah. I mean, it's really remarkable what, what you can do. And switching to the desktop mode, like I just plug in my mouse and keyboard and it's, I have a PC. So it's really cool. I mean, I'm honestly kind of blown away with the capabilities that this thing has. And I really just wanted to talk about Valve's, I guess their, their Steam platform. Because I guess now that I'm part of this, I'm like, oh my God, I think this is incredible. I don't know why I, why I ever wanted a PlayStation. <laughs> I should have just built a PC, man. No. I'm starting to feel that way, but I wanted to talk about the Steam storefront really quick. So Valve recently, they had they broke a record, and I wanted to put that in context. So I guess Steam is the biggest gaming platform, the biggest gaming storefront that exists. 
and you'd think like, oh, like maybe Xbox or PlayStation or maybe the Switch, like maybe Nintendo, you know, maybe they have the biggest platform, but it turns out it's Steam because all it takes is a computer. And they recently broke a record. I was going to read this quote. This was on January 7th. Valve's game distribution platform, Steam, which is, I guess, the, the store we were just talking about, had a record-breaking weekend and exceeded 10 million concurrent players or concurrent in-game players for the first time, while also surpassing 32 million concurrent online users. Jeez. So that's in one weekend, and that was the weekend of January 7th. They had 10 million people playing games online and 32 million people got online (laughs) and that's in a weekend no wonder there are certain governments that place limits on how much children can play think think about how many people that is dude 10 that's a a lot of people humans can't necessarily picture how big 10 million actually is i know yeah so i have this reference number so as of January 4th, 2023, there have been 30 million PlayStation 5 sold. So in one weekend, there were more people online than there have been PlayStation 5 sold. Wow. It just goes to show, I guess, how big Steam really is. And, and you know, truthfully, man, like they, they really do have games on sale all the time. And since I've started, since I knew I was going to get a Steam Deck, I started to track some of these sales. And like I got Portal for one ninety nine, you could get it on your Switch as well, and it's for nineteen ninety nine. So that's truly I got that for one percent of what it costs you on the Switch. And there's this other game that I've really been enjoying on the Steam Deck that I wanted to shout out. It's also on other platforms as well. It's called The Art of Rally, and it's a really cool game. Basically, it's like a racing game, and it kind of walks you through the history of rally and North Carolina rally. No, 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 no. So like rally. <laughs> if you weren't, if you weren't aware, rally is a, like a racing sport where you basically it's like a long track, like long, long winding track through the wilderness, and you you're based on it's scored based on time. So basically, you have this like idyllic, picturesque maps, like racing maps from all over the world, and you just kind of race, and it's like third person. You know, I'm looking down with this like beautiful pastel watercolor landscape driving the car. And I mean, it works great on the Steam Deck. I, I've actually, I've sunk like five or six hours in this past weekend of this game. It's on everything. It's on Switch. It's on Xbox. But they had a sale on Steam and it was like $10 off. So, and things like that, I guess, happen all the time. Since I've been following, I mean, I've had, I've gotten some games for incredible deals. Like, I think I got Jedi Fallen Order for, like, $5, and I got Far Cry 3 for about $5 as well. So I just think that it's it's really incredible what you can do. And in my personal opinion, the reason that they're able to lower those prices is because there were other storefronts that you could go to. And, for example, there are some indie games that are only on itch.io, but they also, like, if there's an indie game on Steam and there's an indie game on itch.io, You'll probably be able to get it a little cheaper on itch.io because they don't charge as many fees for the user. So the 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 person that posts it, or they don't charge as many fees for the person that uploads the game. That's the owner of the game, so they can lower their prices. 
and make the same amount. That's really interesting that they would allow you to still use their competitor's service on their platform. Well, you know, man, <laughs> the more I think about it, it makes a lot of sense that you should be able to access other platforms and other storefronts. And I just, now that I've I've kind of seen this, it, it's kind of opened my eyes to, you know, if you have an Xbox or a PlayStation or a Nintendo Switch, like, that storefront has a complete monopoly on that device. And like you said, man, those lithium iron batteries, like think about how much it takes to make a PlayStation 5 or a Switch. Like that's, it's a computer. Yeah. And for you, I mean, you're intentionally handicapping yourself, you know, by not being able to access other storefronts. And I didn't necessarily feel that way until I experienced otherwise. So I don't know. It's very interesting. I think that we'll probably be talking a lot more about it in the future, but yeah, do you want me to talk about the Art of Rally anymore? <laughs> that game's sick, man. <laughs> no, let's talk some more about the Art of Rally. Because I was when, when you were talking about Rally, I, I started thinking about the sport. North Carolina? And <laughs> started thinking throws about, you off, man. It does. <laughs> it does. I started thinking about the sport and just like how fascinating it is that there are like global racetracks that people just like go and race all over the world. And uh, mm-hmm. that's like a specific type of race, the rally, I guess. And I'm not too familiar with the rally, so remind me, what is a rally again? You know, man, I really wasn't that all that familiar with it as well, which is why I really just want to shout out this game. I think this game is $20. I think it's, I mean, it's less if you can catch it on sale. I don't think it'll still be on sale by the time this episode comes out, but put it on your wish list, try and get it on sale. I think it's a 1999 game. But, like, you truly, like, okay, so... It starts off, you're in a car, you're in a desert, and you talk to a Buddha. So a Buddha comes down, and you're in this car in the desert. I kind of interpret it. As games should start. As games should start. All games should start. You should start in a car talking to Buddha. Talking to divine consciousness. Yes, (laughs) divine consciousness at the end of time is kind of what it looks like. (laughs) But (laughs) in the the Buddha kind of says, you know, the art of rally is a... A celebration of the sport of rally and you're in an alternate timeline where rally wasn't canceled and it kind of says mm. that that the sport of rally went on you know from the the 1960s you know through the end of the 90s and it was canceled yeah, it was or i guess the time. yeah the sport was kind of disbanded because it was so dangerous and it kind of ends with trees are not your friends but basically, but basically, the Buddha puts you in an alternate reality where you can experience all of rally at once. And in a rally, there are a couple of races. So like in the first one, there's two races. And so you do one racetrack in Norway that's paved and another racetrack in Norway that has like a, a snow. It's a snow road. So it's not pavement. And so you slide around and you fishtail and it's kind of like being on like a dirt road. But basically you kind of do this winding track and you have a start point, you have a finish point. And you just try and get the best time. And you're put up against other racers and Interesting. you try and get the best time. And as you kind of move through it, like you do the national rally for each year. And as you go through it, you unlock more cars that were relevant in the time period and they each have a little bio about them and it has a like a bio about like 
the decade that you're racing in as well and what happened in the sport of rally at the time. And I'm not a car guy at all in any sense of the word, but oh my God, this is just so fun to play because like you're truly, you're just driving around this like beautiful landscape. And they also, they have a free roam mode where, so they basically just have like a fake landscape that's got two or three courses kind of mashed together and you can just drive endlessly. You can just drive. There's no consequences. Like it's just so chill and you can just drive. So look up the art style, because I don't really know how to describe the art style of the art of rally. I'd love to hear what you what you think the art style is described as. Because it's not really pixelated. Hmm. So one of the photos I see, with one of the first photos I see is like a drifting car with a ton of smoke behind it. I think I yeah. can kind of guess why the sport only lasted three decades. <laughs> Yeah, it's so fun to play this game, though. I mean, you live hot and fast, you know, but... <laughs> so, rally cars are road legal and registered cars. I thought they might have mm-hmm. been, like, racing cars. That's really interesting, so... So, that's kind of why it was also so popular, because you could see people just absolutely rip through these roads on these cars, and then you could go buy that car. So, a lot of companies made rally cars because it was essentially like a sports car for races that you know anybody could buy i mean yeah people want to race man even to this day people race it's just a it's just our competitive Mm -hmm. nature yeah it absolutely is and car cars can be really sick they're just really big toys but that's also a reminder you know that they're really dangerous too, right? These really big yeah. mega tons, like they're tons of pounds they and weigh pounds. Tons, and... yeah. And you know, an object in motion stays in motion. An object that weighs a ton, you know. We've talked about cars in the pod before. Yeah, get a racing sim instead of a. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but what would you say this art style is? The art of rally. The art of rally. Yeah. I, as I'm far as like the cover of the game, or like just in general, or just the, like, yeah, just, yeah, just kind of like look at look at screenshots uh, of the game. This art style in the game. This is kind of like a boxy. Like it was made in like a kind of a very public game engine. Yeah, it kind of looks like it was. That's what I was gonna say. I thought it was like a Unity. Yeah, like some. Yeah, like a I mean. Unity time graphic. But yeah. that's also. I mean, why it looks really pretty though. Yeah, they definitely got the job done. It seems seems very, like it captures something, right? For life. Yeah, it, ca- it captures captures the essence of the cars. Mm-hmm. It captures the essence of landscapes. And they're trying to tell. They're trying to really capture something. I think you you really by including that synopsis in the beginning, kind of hit the nail on the head. Because just by looking at this, they captured the art of rally. Yeah, they did. I mean, it is very. I mean, they've got tons of colors. It's incredibly. Ah, oh, it's incredibly pretty. Man, to be I, around in that time, dude, that's awesome. And this is this is one that I would really recommend picking up on a handheld. I bet it would look so good on your OLED switch. I bet it would. Yeah, it really would probably run super well. Yeah, you should put this on your wish list because I, I'm blown away by how much I've been enjoying it. Because a race only lasts like three to five minutes. 
So like if you've got three to five minutes to play your switch or to play your handheld, you know, picking it up and doing a race like this, like it's just a no brainer. It's so fun. I really enjoyed that. I, I think maybe we can talk more about that on a later episode, but yeah, give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you for, for putting me on. You stay putting me on to racing games. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we play the new... What's the... What's that new one that came out? Need for Speed? Need for Speed. <laughs> but maybe we play the new Need for Speed, too. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, I think I'm about ready to end it up. What about you? I'm about ready to call it for episode 67. Yeah. Great episode, man. I think it was a good one. That was a good one. All right. Well, I guess, again, thank you so much to our patrons. We'll put a little announcement on our Patreon. Just thanking you all again. And if you'd, Thank y'all. <laughs> you'd like to support us, you know, you can support us for as little as $1 on the Patreon. And, and we probably won't use it for a year or two, but <laughs> we'll use it eventually. <laughs> we'll get around to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it really does help. But if you want to help us for free, for no cost to you, sharing it with a friend is the best way to help us out. If you have a friend that likes games, if you have a friend that's interested in Linux PCs or interested in games at all, We'd love it if you would if you would share it with them. So I guess thank you so much for listening. This has been a great episode, Brandon. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sticky Buttons podcast and tune on in to episode 68. We're going to have one hell of an episode coming to you guys. So know, man. just really appreciate all of you guys. Appreciate all of our patrons and anyone that checks out our TikTok. Even the TikTokers, we appreciate you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great one. Peace in the streets.